and welcome in to Sports Talk. It's Wednesday on the busiest sports day of the year. We can hardly keep track of it all. With Lauren Tate, I'm Scott Beatty. He, uh, Lauren, is here for the first hour. In hour number two, Brian Barnhart will sit in because we need to prove that he's awake in the afternoon. (laughs) Welcome in. Uh, Coming up, we will talk some Cardinal baseball with Joe Pott. He is the pre- and post-game host, one of the pre- and post-game hosts for the Cardinals Radio Network, and also a play-by-play man himself for Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Down on the St. Louis area, we'll get his thoughts on the Redbirds and the upcoming second half of the Major League season. I say second half, not mathematically, we're past that, but the post-All-Star break segment now that the All-Star Game is in the books, Mr. Tate. Yep, American League wins again and again and again, and that's nine. Nine in a row, three to two. And you see varying levels of what I want to say effort or execution in Concern. a game. Concern. <laughs> I mean, there's too many people laughing out there for me to think they really take it too seriously. But, I mean, I know the players are all trying hard, but, you know, you pick a guy off first and laugh about it. Cause yep. Yeah, well, there. I think there was a day and a time when some of those players t- took it very seriously, maybe even too so. I mean, Bob Gibson. Well, I think back. Uh, Bob Gibson would get mad in old timer games. Back in the day of Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and, uh, and Ernie Banks, the National League dominated the thing, and they. I think they did take it seriously, and I think they wanted to. They, and I'm sure they want to win now, but this thing is just overloaded in favor of the American League. So Smith hits a home run. It's the only time he got to bat. They took him out after two innings. Yeah, the, they had three first basemen. That's the reason. I, uh, nobody at that level doesn't have competitive juices. I mean, you could be playing Tidley Winks and they'd get up for it. Yeah, because that's how they're wired. But they playing, all know it's if different. If you're playing center field and you're talking to the guy that's doing the play-by-play, there's less than one hundred percent. <laughs> I am not arguing. <laughs> Do you like that gimmick, by the way? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I don't have anything. I don't have any problem with it. I mean, I don't pay that much attention to it. And some of the talk back and forth between the pitcher and the catcher, I couldn't even understand. Could you? No. Well, he's I, I knew getting, they were communicating, but I couldn't understand. Well, it. they're using those pitch comms now, so he's he's got the earpiece telling mm-hmm. him. What well, first of all, what the play-by-play man's asking him, and then he's got the other earpiece to tell him what pitch to throw, or maybe they're throwing signs. I don't know. But if the catcher is telling him what to throw, can't the batter hear that? No, because it uh, radios. You press a button on your wrist, and it goes into an earpiece in the pitcher. Okay. I mean, the catcher could say fastball, you know, and everybody knows, but. Well, okay. <laughs> but he's. I don't know if they're you know, yeah. they got these devices on their wrist. They just press the button. How do you shake that off? You, you just normally your, you shake your wrist back at it. Yeah. <laughs> Not so, just no, push the, no, the, no on no, your, this one. <laughs> yeah, push no on your elbow. <laughs> so that's uh, kind of what's going on today. It's just not a huge headline day. Never has been the day after the All Star break. The yeah. AC. Well, I will say this: We're going to talk about the Cardinals, and I think they needed some time off. Mm-hmm. I just do. I think. I think that uh, Arenado and, and Goldschmidt need time off, and I think that Ed, Edwin is probably slumping a little bit because he's played so much. You play figure on him every day and every day, and the last month he's had a rough time. And I think Donovan hit a wall also. Not a, not a brick wall. I mean, he's still play, a good player, but not hitting like he was. 
If you want to weigh in, the Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 217-356-9397. That's a way to contribute to the show if you got anything to ask or uh, might be able to get you on the phones. We'll see how that uh, works out as well. All right, there is Media Days going on because it's that time of year, ACC, and our friend uh, Jim Phillips is the commissioner of the ACC and touted his commitment to continuing to seek the best interest of the ACC and all this realignment, uh, but did say some things. Um, he touting his conference as among the national leaders in every meaningful metric except revenue. Except uh, revenue. Yeah. He, he right. recognizes, obviously, he's not on par with the Big Ten and the SEC right now. But, but they're he, not on par with performance. They're not. Well, I think maybe. Not as a league against the SEC. Well, not in football. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. You're but talking all sports. I assume, you know, I'm reading the quote here. Mm-hmm. Um, he said his conference is among the national leaders in every meaningful metric. So okay. Maybe. Okay. Also said, we're not the professional ranks. This is not NFL or NBA light. We all remain competitive with one another, but this is not and should not be a winner-take-all or a zero-sum structure. College athletics has never been elitist or singularly commercial. It has provided countless individuals with a path to higher education and therefore life-changing possibilities. Access, opportunity, and a modern rules-based structure should all remain a priority as we continue to evolve. He's talking about it should be a neighborhood business and not what he calls two or three gated communities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's... I think he, Jim's exactly right, and I don't think it makes any difference what he thinks because the S- ACC is not going to have any say in anything because they're locked into themselves. They can't really expand, and they, can't, they don't have to let anybody go because of the rules that they set up and the, with the ESPN, and there they are. And some of the schools that would undoubtedly be gone if, the, if, they're, if they weren't controlled by their contract. Clemson would be in the in the SEC overnight. Yeah. So would Florida State. I walked by the television and then ESPN's interviewing Dabo Sweeney, and I didn't know what he's saying, but I just thought – I looked up there, saw him holding the mic, and imagined him saying something like, we love being in the ACC. Isn't it great? And knowing that he really doesn't want to be in the ACC anymore. He'd rather have more money. Mm-hmm. They're doing just fine, by the way. Mm-hmm. They seem to be – most years able to compete for a national championship. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah that's right. And it wasn't too long ago where Florida State was one of the best teams in the country, and then they changed coaches, and that all changed. But uh, Clemson has is, is, is been a powerhouse. But do, can you believe that Wake Forest and Pitt played for the championship of the ACC last year? Last year, in a full season. How did that happen? Of course, ACC schools have signed grant of rights agreements um, that started in 2016 and run 20 years through 2036. Phillips, when asked about his confidence in the grant of rights holding up in court, should an ACC school challenge it in order to exit the league, he pointed to recent defectors from the Big 12 and Pac-12 having to fulfill their legal obligations right. before joining new conferences. That's right. Their con- the, only re- the Texas contract is up after this coming season. Yeah, the only way I see those grants of rights being broken is one of two ways. Somebody decides we'll eat it and we'll spend a ton of money to get out. 
Can't. Very unlikely. Can't. Nearly impossible. Nearly impossible. Or everybody gets together in the room amongst the ACC schools and ESPN and says, let's redo this. Well, and, if 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 ESPN, that's all seen, yeah. if ESPN agreed, yeah. then you'd have a chance. As but I'm long just, as ESPN wants to keep that kind con- Look, they signed that contract five years ago. There's an escalator clause. It goes up a little bit <laughs> each year. Yeah. But it hasn't even reached 40,000 yet. 40 million, excuse me. It hasn't even reached 40 million per school yet. It's creeping up. What's happening to the other ones? They're shooting up. Mm-hmm. SEC is going to... Bo- Boomer, you know, this is going to be an explosion, and, and the Big Ten is going to have an explosion. We may, we may get that announcement in, in the next month. There has to be a path for ESPN to say, we can make more money restructuring the ACC deal. They, but they can't. They, they're and, saving yeah. money by having a cheap— I know. <laughs> ESPN's tickled to death. Yeah. The ACC is, you know, the, the, the ACC's stuck. The people that have the shorter contracts are, are doing better because they can restructure sooner. And that's why the Big Ten, I mean, they're, they're coming out of this just right. They're, they're done with negotiating probably right now. We don't know what the number is, but they're only going to get $57 million this coming year. This season, through 2023, Illinois will get $57 million. We know that because that's what Iowa announced they're getting. Yeah, Every school gets the same, $57 million this year. The following year, who knows what it'll be. Be at least seventy, because they're talking about a one billion dollar contract divided by fourteen. One billion divided by fourteen. Less than a week from now, Big Ten media days will begin. What are the chances we actually learn anything about that? There's a chance. There has been talk that they might announce it then, but I don't think I don't know. There seems there's an awful lot of confusion on how you reset the contract now that. Uh, USC and UCLA are coming in. If you are going to have, let's say, a six-year contract, they're going to come in after two years. And that's going to change the contract. So they have to negotiate that now. Either that or they have a two-year contract and wait and then renegotiate in two years. I don't think they want to do that. Do you? No. But I don't know what happens if uh – you start adding teams later. Do you have to just lock it oh, and say boy, we're done? You just have to renegotiate. You've got to keep that thing open for renegotiation. Could you let other teams in at smaller slices of the pie? Let's take North Carolina. Well, that's a bad example, as we just talked about the ACC. But let's say the Big Ten got together and said, we, we, we could take Washington and Oregon, but you're right. not getting $75 million a year. You're getting, you know, 45 for the next five years, which is more than you're going to get in the Pac-12, but we're not letting you get That's a full a, piece of the pie for a while. You're really getting into a, a trouble area there. Then they're going to say to Indiana and Illinois, by the way, you're not earning your uh, $57 million this year. Uh, would you take forty-five? We'd have to say yes if it, if it came down to the yeah, – but the Big Ten isn't going to do that. I told you that, they, that there was a time when Michigan and Ohio State tried to ne- negotiate – a contract where there would be uneven distribution and they would get more than the other schools. And then somehow that was all dropped and they all agreed to stay the way it is. I'd be really curious to know how they agreed to that. I would they too. I, I would like to know that. I, I, I think I could find out because I, I talked to the guy that was there. I have, I'd have to call him. He doesn't live here anymore. Hmm. That'd be, that'd, that'd be, 
Because one of the arguments is out there in sports in general is Mm -hmm. if it's more popular, if it's more interesting to the general fan, it should be worth more. Well, if if you start doing that, then you have to have a percentage for every single school. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't. You just couldn't have. Okay, these two get more, and the other other guys get less. You'd have to have an, a percentage for everybody. So the ACC media days uh, coming on the heels of the SECs and the Big Twelves and Big Ten is next week. We will be there on Wednesday. That's Illinois Day, and Brett Bielma will be uh, speaking in the morning to the big national podium. We. Anticipate having our segment with him on Sports Talk, as well as some of the Illini football players. And we always try to round up an interesting guest or two. Barry Alvarez, by the way, is having a dedicated media availability at Media Days. Now, be interesting his... to know his involvement in all the things that have been going on. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk some Cardinal baseball. Our man Joe Pot from St. Louis after this. <laughs> We are rolling along on Sports Talk the day after the All-Star break. Always affords us an opportunity just to reflect a bit on the pastime we love in baseball. And our friend from St. Louis and Edwardsville as well, Joe Pott, who's on KMOX as part of the pre- and post-game crew for the Cardinals, is good enough to join us. Joe, happy nothing-to-do day. <laughs> That's the that's the truth. I was just listen when you, when you said it affords us the time to look back and reflect. It gives us nothing else to do, is what you mean to say, right? <laughs> yep. I uh, look. There's a lot of people on vacation this week in the sports world. So first of all, thank you for uh, availing yourself. Oh, and, absolutely, of course. And I know you you want to catch your breath, and at the same time, we go well. There's nothing on. I'm ready for baseball to come back. But did you enjoy the All Star game last night? Yeah, um, it's not something that I, uh, you know, sat down and watched for start to finish, but I enjoyed um, what I did watch. I mean, I, I've seen everything from the the pitcher catcher combo was was exciting to uh, how can they do that? He's trying to pitch in the game. I thought that part of it was great. I enjoy getting to know. I mean, it, look, it is an exhibition that's long been established, so I'm okay with them having the earpieces in and chatting a little bit, and I thought that part of the game was fun. It, it was, and Goldie gets an appearance and a homer as well and made things interesting for the National League. Yeah, I thought that uh, I was a little bit surprised that he only had the, the one at bat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe that's good. He's got his little rest, but he's not out of the out of the groove, right? That swing is still there, and he's still doing good things. And so, yeah, that part was cool. Um, I thought it was great. Some of the stuff I saw before, a couple days before, the day before when he was out in the outfield throwing balls off the outfield wall to his son. So all those things are, I think, what the All-Star game you know, should be about. You know, on him, I, I didn't realize this until I saw the headline. How is it that that's the only time he's ever been in an All-Star game? Has he been voted before and just didn't get in? Or, or I don't understand how a guy that good never has made an All-Star game. A lot career. of great first baseman. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I mean, he's been in. Oh, boy, I, I don't know because this is his seventh All Star appearance. I don't know about getting into the games. To be honest with you, I hadn't really. Oh, uh, here the headline that. it says as a Cardinal. I'm sorry. 
Okay. Oh. Okay. Make well, I sense. just wasted everybody's time, but you know what? <laughs> we have a little bit extra today, so that's okay. There you go. Read the whole, you know, the, the clause there at the end. First trip to the All-Star game as a Cardinal. Important. There you go. Important note. Okay. So, never mind. Scratch that. Let's talk about the Cardinals as a whole, shall we? Um, how do you feel about uh, the, the, you know, half game out and one loss behind Milwaukee? What does it need to happen here in the second half? Well, their schedule is going to get really easy. I mean, it's statistically, I think, the the easiest in baseball from here to the end of uh, the season, at least according to you know where records are today. And so the the combined winning percentage is somewhere south of of the five hundred mark. Um, so that that part I think is good. I mean, I, I think when you look, well, let's be really honest, they're not in a bad position, right? They're half a game out of first place. They're at fifty wins going into the. Uh, second half of the season, um, they're in a better position than they were last year at this time. And obviously, yes, I know it took a 17-game winning streak in September. But what I think is that that they are set up to have success in the second half. Um, and you know, let's not forget there's a there's a lot that could change personnel-wise um, between now and and the end of the season, or c- certainly between August 3rd and the end of the season, or August 2nd, whatever the trade deadline is. Would you do you see the Cardinals getting involved to the point of even looking at Soto? Man, I don't know, Lauren. I, I feel like um, that's that's pretty high hopes. I don't yeah. know that they want to uh, spend that much a in salary and it's going to take. I'm not saying it would absolutely floor rising to me if to uh, to think that they would be a a a big time player like that. I, I think that it's more likely that there are some incremental upgrades that are made and maybe even a step above that. So maybe it's not the Lester and Hat moves that we saw last year at the trade deadline. And maybe it goes a little bit farther than that. But to go to get all the way to, to Juan Soto, man, I, I would be surprised. I would be too. Uh, what, what about a pitcher? Do you see anybody that is laying out there that's ready to move? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, and now I'm uh, Frankie Montas and, and, Oakland is the one that keeps coming up as somebody that could be a fit. Um, the Cardinals have made you know deals with Oakland a couple of times in the past, most notably, obviously, getting Mark McGuire. They also moved Stephen Piscotty that way when when he was trying to get closer to home. Uh, it, it could make some sense, but I, but I don't know to be honest with what they're looking at. But yes, pitching is what I think is, is obviously the glaring need for this club at this point. And catching. Is Yachty going to be back? I mean, the catching situation from a hitting standpoint has been pretty shaky. Oh, I think pretty shaky is a, is a nice way to put it, Lauren. Yeah. It's not been very good at all, right? Um, and what what we're told, what we keep hearing is that, you know, he'll be on a rehab here coming up after the All-Star break. He should be able to rejoin the, the, the Major League Club sometime there in early August. Um, how much he can provide, actually, from an offensive standpoint, I think, remains to be seen. I, I, I think that everyone kind of understands what he provides just in his presence and maybe his leadership and certainly in handling a pitching staff, you know, whether that means that he, you know, supplies much offense, I, I wouldn't expect too much. We're visiting with Joe Pot. He's pre and post game host for the Cardinals on their radio network. Also play by play man for SIUE Southern Illinois university Edwardsville. Prospects continue to always uh, perform 
for the Cardinals. It seems to happen more often than it doesn't when they finally make uh, the call up, i.e. Nolan Gorman and and, and others like it. Um, are the Cardinals of a mind, would you think, to ship around some prospects for you know somebody that might get them over the hump in a uh, in the rotation or another bat or another catcher? I think they have to be. I, I think that you have to be willing to part with um, some of what you have and, and deal from sort of that, um, you know, that point of excess. And, and that actually probably means outfielders, right? I think that is what makes the most sense. Um, if you expect that, um, you know, if you expect that Harrison Bader is going to come back healthy at some point here relatively soon, your natural three-man outfield there is O'Neal and uh, Bader and Carlson, so you still have a Newt Bar and you have Juan Yepes, plus you have outfielders in the minor leagues that are performing. So it, so that is what makes the most sense. Um, and, um, you know, the Cardinals have not been shy about letting some of those prospects go for bigger pieces. Uh, Carson Kelly was an untouchable at, at one point and obviously was dealt to the Diamondbacks, and that's why we have, um, you know, Paul Goldschmidt at, at this point. So, yeah, I, I think that they are going to have to be okay with letting someone somewhere go. And, and if that is what, if that's the, you know, what you get out of that pro, that's the value you get out of that prospect. Sometimes that's the value you get out of that prospect. Ryan Helsley. Wow. 103 mm-hmm. last night in the all-star game. Um, but it seems like there's not a ton of options all the time if he's not a- available on a given night, uh, you know, do, do you, is there a clear other closer, so to speak, for the Cardinals right now? There's not. Uh, I, I agree with you when you say that. Um, and and early in the season, it was when say the big three weren't available, right? So it was uh, Cabrera and Gallegos and Helsley and kind of those three. And Gallegos has not been good um, lately. Certainly not to the end of the first half. They're bringing Hicks back now in the in the bullpen, so maybe he's one of those guys that that kind of helped get you there. But we haven't seen it's it's been rare to see Helsley go two days in a row. Um, and yeah, you need somebody who can who can do it if Helsley's not going to do it two days in a row, or if 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 you need a closer, you know, three or four times in a week. Certainly, you need somebody else there that is going to be providing those reliable innings, and, and I haven't seen it yet currently on the team well the reason you can't go two days in a row is because it really takes a lot of effort to throw 103 miles an hour (laughs) you're right (laughs) maybe cut that back to about 98 you could give us another inning or two right (laughs) but see 98 man everybody throws 98 these days i know like anything anymore it's that's soft toss that is soft toss joe pot is joe pot's with us here on sports talk orange you have something there well I'm just wondering what the rotations is. Is Matt's going to be back? Is Hudson's good enough to? Is is Hudson? Are we overlooking something with Hudson? Because I don't know if he. I don't know if he's good enough to to be in that rotation. What do you think? Yeah, I think that you ask uh, great questions, Lauren, and I think those are important to address. Uh, there was a time earlier this year when I felt like Hudson had kind of turned a corner and, and he was starting to give you some. Uh, deep starts and do it a little bit more consistently. And I think almost immediately when I said that to people, he fell off a cliff and, and um, started struggling. He's a guy, obviously, that needs to work down in the zone, that mm-hmm. um, need, relies heavily on the ground balls, and he gets hurt in the air. Um, 
so yeah, so I think that's a question. I, I definitely think Steven Matz is a question. I was really excited that he was at least going to get the chance to have one start, which would have been the Sunday before the All-Star break. And then, of course, that game was rained out. I thought it would have been really important to get him that start. He would essentially be then back on regular rest, regular rotation. And, and you guys both know how much the pitchers rely on that, that routine that they can get in. And I thought that was a good jump start um, to see. But but your question is a valid one and I think needs to be examined on how much on whether you can get something to shore up this rotation, which, yes, I think should be a priority, should be something that they go after. In the next week or two, you think? I mean, I would think that they're going to try to beat the deadline, aren't they? If they if they have that opportunity, I, I think you have to. I, I don't think you have the you're not you don't have the luxury to wait and kind of see how things play out. I think you know, as you said, we're we're seeing how things played out, and and maybe Dakota Hudson. You know, isn't good enough. He's certainly not performing well enough now um, to warrant a spot. And and maybe you have a couple of starts from Matt's, and you better make an, uh, a decision pretty quickly on whether or not he's going to be you know valid in that rotation. Joe Pot is with us. Joe, I just wanted to uh, switch subjects for a moment, and I don't, I'm not trying to catch you off guard here, but uh, your other role is play-by-play man for SIUE Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, and is all of this swirls around in the world of college athletics. I'm wondering how folks in the OVC feel right now. Is it kind of, hey, we're cool, we're doing our thing? Is it uh, some nail-biting at how everything affects everything else and, and the trickle-down effects? Because SIUE is in the OVC, so is Eastern Illinois, and there's other regional schools around here like that. So I'm just curious your thoughts. You know, it was, it was interesting because uh, – I don't want to say the first time, the last time when everything sort of got shuffled, when you're talking about um, conference realignment and all that, I think the major mood was, oh, you know, that's fine for the big guys. It's really not going to affect the OVC. Well, now, obviously, it has. And in the last two years, the league has lost five members, three joined officially um, on July 1st this year, and that's Little Rock and then Lindenwood, Southern Indiana, those last two being Division two schools that are uh, transitioning to Division one. So nobody is immune to the changes and things that go on. Uh, obviously, name, image, likeness are, are huge deals uh, when it comes to that. When it comes to changing um, the college landscape, and I think that you know the, the situation there is: can we, we being the Ohio Valley Conference and some of the mid-major schools, you know, keep up with what? Uh, student-athletes are able to do, able to generate and get from a bigger school. And, and those questions, I think, still have not been answered yet. I would call Edwardsville a pretty rich community. Would you? Was that fair? It's, it's yeah, I think pretty it's well, uh, I mean, definitely. there's some money there. I just wonder if that, if that spills over into the NIL. Yeah, um, and I, I, you know, to answer that, I, I can't answer that question, to be honest. Um, all, all that we... At least right now, our staff can do is advise the student athletes on you know what they can't do. Basically, we're not allowed to broker deals um, or or get involved in any way in the NIL deals that that student athletes may um, you know may pursue. Well, Joe Pot, um, enjoy this little bit of time off here from baseball because, as we all know, it's a reason we love it. It's an everyday sport. We embrace the grind. I uh, appreciate on a day of no games that you spent a few minutes with us. 
No, my my pleasure, guys. I'm I'm glad to do it, and I yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting next few weeks. Certainly, an, an interesting next month. I I don't think at all it's going to be quiet, and I mean that from the Cardinals' standpoint and from baseball standpoint. I think the Cardinals will be much involved. They've got um, you know, at least the makings of what could be a really good team, and I I think it's my belief. I feel like they'll try to uh, try to improve their odds. Yeah, I think that that uh, the, the, let's say this: the front office may have some answering to do if they don't. Well, Joe, what, what <laughs> yeah, last no, question? I, I they do right. have some money, don't they, to spend? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, goodness, it's not my money, so of course they have. no. They've, <laughs> they've got money to spend, and I think you know, like Scott mentioned, that there are those prospects, and it just comes down to, um, you know, making making a decision on who you think you know. Look, some of them are going to have value at the major league level, and you mentioned a Nolan Gorman and even Juan Yepes now. But Juan Yepes is someone that keeps coming in my mind. Is maybe his ultimately his value is that he gets you something better. I don't know yet, but I think that I, I don't think it will take terribly long to find out. Enjoy it, Joe, and maybe start a GoFundMe page for Juan Soto. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We'll get. We'll see if we can uh, help him out there. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, friend. Thank you both. That's Joe Pott, P-O-T-T. Read something today. I'd forgotten that there's no tiebreakers this year for playoff spots if two teams finish with the same record. There's no game 163 under the the new agreement, so everything will be solved by the first tiebreakers head-to-head. So one team you want to watch out for is the Phillies. Cardinals are, um, I guess, a whole game ahead of them. One game ahead in wins, but one game behind in losses. So, Cardinals really need to finish ahead of Milwaukee. That's the key. But Philadelphia won the season series four to three. So if, they so if it comes down the, to if they tie for the wild card, then they're, it's Philadelphia. One, one's in, one's not. Yeah, and it's Philadelphia. So you as you watch the standings, just keep that all in mind and start looking at who has tiebreakers. Come back. Our next segment of Sports Talk is on the way. Thanks to Joe Pot. You can weigh in on the text line, 217-351-5357. Continuing on Sports Talk. I do think the Cardinals, one way or another, are a playoff team. I think they're, they're good enough. They play well enough. There's just a lot of other winning record teams right now. In the National League. Well, there are better teams than the Cardinals. Well, I know that. They're just very fortunate to be in a division with three terrible teams. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and the Cubs are just way down, and Milwaukee's above average, but those two are a toss-up. Yeah, I know. But I just say when you watch the Cardinals play, they're better than average in the way they play, and they're frustrating because they can give up some leads. They can... uh, not produce runs all of a sudden. Uh, so, you know they're not a dominant team, of course. Well, they're going to be dominant until they get better pitching. They're, yeah, they're upper tier team. In, I mean, you, you've got you got three three fifths of your starting rotations gone. <laughs> I mean, Hudson's on the IL. I mean, yeah. Matz is on the IL. I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure. Hicks is. He was in the starting rotation at one time. He's coming back now, but they can't trust him more than two innings. Well, like you said, they're lucky to be in a weak division, and that starts mm-hmm. with Cincinnati on Friday. 
when they get back in action. Cubs, by the way, are at Philadelphia when things resume. And the White Sox have a four-game series this weekend against Cleveland. That includes a doubleheader on Saturday, one of the makeups. White Sox got plenty of time, and they're only three games out. They just need to play better baseball. Finished at 500. Get up over 500, and you got a chance to win the division. The White Sox and the Baltimore Orioles are in the same department when it comes to records, both 46 and 46. And it's not a, it's a rare thing, but it's possible if the uh, Orioles would beat the Yankees on Friday that all five teams in the American League East will have winning records. Baltimore hmm. is in last place at 500. The Yankees are running away with it. But that's a good division. Yep. And, of course, there's talk with Tampa Bay and the trade market. Maybe I read one thing today, maybe Wilson Contreras to Tampa Bay from the Cubs. And he seems well, more than likely. What they get for him. Yeah. Well, they need a lot of things. That's what they need. Is there anybody on the Cardinal team other than third base and first base that you wouldn't trade? I'm not including Wayne Wright. I don't think they trade. No, he's not going anywhere. But wouldn't you trade almost anybody else to get a really good pitcher? Yeah, I think you have to. I think you have to put everything on the table. Can you know how many right. different people they've used in the outfield this year, and there's not much difference? So that seems to be. But who needs outfield upgrades? You well, know, Car- so the Cardinals need an outfield. Well, that's upgrade. what I'm saying. In who the, else? In the needs sense, it? Yeah. Well, they've just got so many guys that are just by, by major league. All-star standards, they're ve- uh, the Cardinal outfielders are average. This is what, you know, when yeah, Evan's back, Evan has all the con- – he knows everybody's contracts off the top of his head and who's up or not, but I, what, what about an Edmund? You know, or, or somebody – what pieces do you give up? Is it in the middle of the infield? Well, I'd hate to give up Edmund. He's a really good, solid player, but he had, hadn't hit this year as much as he has in the past. But I like him. I like him a lot. All I'm saying is if you want an upgrade in the outfield, you can't send back a downgrade. <laughs> you know, the, Is there some team sitting out there with, yeah, we've got too many outfielders, we don't need them. You know, everybody wants pitching. Give me arms. Give me arms, arms, arms. By the way, i got a question for you. This is an entirely different subject. You ready Fine. for it? Yeah. When we just talked to Joe Pot about Edwards, well, he talked and said, you know, that the school can't broker a deal for a player, right? Right. It's illegal. How can I use the word illegal? There's no court ruling that says they can't. There's no court anywhere that said that you can't broker a deal for a player. Anybody can broker. If, if a player can go to this business, why can't he go to his school? So it's not I'm against the law. I'm only asking the question because what happens when that goes to court? That's a fair question. I'm a player, and my school wants to pay me. Why can't I take the money? Because it's against the rules? Well, the rules have been shown that when they go to court, the rules don't become rules anymore. Is that is that crazy to think like that? Well, and the school, of course, can't broker a deal already, but we all know they do. I, I'm yeah. not saying specifically but what, Why can't they do it legally? Because the NCAA because says— it's against, Because it's against the rules of the NCAA. Yeah. And we've seen that the NCAA rules— Get shattered every time they go to court. Well, that's my question. When are they going to start paying players to play? I think they can. I think you'll see it. And the only reason I think you'll see it is I think nothing nothing has indicated to me that ultimately, based on the Olson ruling, that the that the that the courts will support that whole idea. And then, 
And then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> and what are you going to do if you have to pay players and you say, we want to pay the men more than the women? That I understand why that shouldn't happen, but if whatever you want to pay players in the sport that draws the most attention, the sports that draw well, the most attention. People that, I mean, you get more money than I get because you're better than me. I mean, I understand that. That would be the same thing in sports. Mm-hmm. But can you I mean, do that if, at if the I'm collegiate level? If I'm more valuable than a woman who playing a different sport, then I get more money. And there are some that would say that's that's the laws of economics. That's, yeah. That's how it's in capitalism and whatever, and that's how it should work. And there's others that say, no, if... if it's not fair. If if you're starting center, that's if, what the if people Kofi have, Coburn were here and was getting paid... That's what X, the women tennis players say. That's what the women soccer players say, but they're not getting equal pay. No. And 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 you know people would say well if 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 there was the demand then they would. I don't know that that's that simple because there's more forces at work here. I like the rule that the NCA has. I just don't know ultimately based on Kavanaugh's decision with with uh, Alston whether it will hold up. First hour of Sports Talk, almost in the books. Brian Barnhart is going to uh, take a break from Penny, so to speak, and do some sports chatter with us in the second Good. hour. So you can also stick around for that. Lauren, did we cover everything that we have going on There's today? an awful lot going on, and we <laughs> covered part of it. We did not even... Scratch the surface. <laughs> hey, we get to do it again tomorrow. How about that? Here. I try to study up. Hey, and rest up, too. You played 18 today. Yeah, yeah, I did. It's hot warm, out. warm, but I feel great. I love it. One of these days, I'm going to play with you, but then you're going to, and then you're going to say. You know, we're going to have a big event on the 14th of August. You need to join up. Okay. It's a Sunday. Tom Casey's putting it together with John Dixon. I'm in. Newstalk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Hour 2 of Sports Talk on the way after the news.